Today, let's talk about passport bros. It's a growing movement of black men who shop for wives and girlfriends in foreign countries. They do it because the American black woman has abandoned traditional marriage values and roles. Fearless is coming in hot tonight. Grab your popcorn. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday to you and yours. We've almost made it to the weekend. Friday's just around the corner. Apologize uh, for no show yesterday. Weather difficulties here in Nashville and Dallas. Didn't want people uh, traveling on icy roads, so uh, we took Wednesday off. But as I just told you in that cold open, we're coming in piping hot today. We have a fantastic, awesome show plan for you today. Royce White, Shamika Michelle are going to be here to help me discuss Passport Bros. Uh, TJ Moe is going to uh, come in and help me talk about a Passport Bro, Tom Brady, <laughs> who married and now is divorcing Giselle Bungeon. And then uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, will be here to talk all things sports related. It's going to be an awesome show. If you thought I was in trouble for my comments on Tucker Carlson, I'll probably get in more trouble today talking about passport bros. We'll get into that in a minute, but uh, first I want to tell you how to get a good night's sleep with my good friends Cozy Earth. I'm starting the new year just the way I finished it with one great night's sleep after another thanks to my Cozy Earth bedding. Cozy Earth was founded to help transform lives by offering the softest, most luxurious, and responsibly sourced bedding in the world. And with over 5,000 five-star reviews on their website, they're already doing just that. No wonder top designers choose Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth uses only luxury materials such as the finest premium viscose made from highly sustainable bamboo. And Cozy Earth bedding, which comes in six awesome colors, is super soft, lightweight, and temperature regulating so you sleep more comfortably year-round. Whether it's their luxury sheets, loungewear, pajamas, or push bath towels, plush bath towels, I'm sorry, you'll love shopping at Cozy Earth. Plus, Cozy Earth bedding comes in a beautiful, reusable canvas tote. So get cozy now. Save 35% now on Cozy Earth. Hurry, this New Year's offer ends soon. Go to CozyEarth.com fearless and be sure to enter fearless at checkout to save 35%. Use my promo code fearless at checkout. Go to CozyEarth.com fearless. 35% off what could be better. Guys, I use this in my own home. As I told you previously, I got two different bedrooms I sleep in. One has Cozy Earth sheets, the other doesn't. The Cozy Earth does make a difference. It, it does keep your temperature. I like a little cold bed, throw a blanket over myself. The Cozy Earth sheets uh, do that for me. You guys will, will love it. I, I, it comes with my highest recommendation. Uh, you guys ready for me to start a fire so that you'll need those Cozy Earth sheets? Perhaps you're laying in bed watching on your laptop on your Cozy Earth sheets. Uh, I'm going to start a fire and uh, warm you up. <laughs> uh, Lenny Kravitz is the original passport bro. 
1999, the half-black, half-Jewish rock star covered the 1970 Canadian classic, American Woman, originally performed by the Guess Who. Kravitz won a Grammy for his version of the anti-American ode. American Woman, Stay Away From Me, American Woman, Mama Let Me Be, Don't Come Hanging Around My Door, I Don't Wanna See Your Face No More, I Got More Important Things To Do Than Spend My Time Growing Old With You. You've heard the song, everybody heard, has heard it. Not long after divorcing American actress Lisa Bonet, a star of The Cosby Show at the time, Kravitz dated a series of white foreign starlets. French singer and model Vanessa Paradis, Brazilian model, model Adriana Lima, and finally Australian actress Nicole Kidman. Now woman, stay away, <laughs> stay away. American woman, listen what I say. American woman, get away from me. American woman, mama let me be. That was Kravitz's philosophy after dating Lisa Bonet. I bring all this up because things have turned so icy between black American men and women that there's now a popular movement called Passport Bros, an outgrowth of the black manosphere, the collective of YouTube content creators who discuss issues around America, American culture's demonization of masculinity. Passport Bros are primarily black men who leave America shopping for wives and girlfriends in Brazil, Colombia, Thailand, Costa Rica, the Philippines, and anywhere outside of America. They're men who believe American women, particularly black women, have the wrong values, expectations, worldview, and attitude for a serious relationship. Passport bros chronicle their search for love and or sex on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. They're reviled and ridiculed on most social media platforms, but the movement is growing because the untreated disconnect between American black men and women is growing wider and wider. Black women see their role as leaders of the black community and the primary breadwinners. The Democrat Party, leftists, corporate media, and the LGBTQ movement have partnered with black women in imposing matriarchal culture. Newton's third law applies for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. With no institution or individual addressing the major rift between black men and women, the men are abandoning American women, searching for women in other countries who are not hostile toward traditional relationship roles. The yearning for traditional women and pushback against matriarchal culture explain the meteoric rise of social media influencers such as Kevin Samuels and Andrew Tate. Samuels died unexpectedly last year. He had built a huge following discussing black women's unreasonable relationship expectations. Tate postures as a hyper-masculine man of the Renaissance man of the world. The Romanian government is investigating him for operating a sex trafficking ring. Tate says the investigation is fraudulent and an attempt to silence a loud voice that fights against the emasculation of men. Tate, who is mixed race, advises men to date and marry Muslim women. Take a listen for yourself. Yeah. And, and the only people left in America 
who are resisting liberal indoctrination are the, are the Muslims, and there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And and this is why my view, once again, my conservative views are all skewed up because I'm almost on the team of the Muslims now. Jesus. All, but then the only people you have left who don't want transgenders in schools, yeah. the only people you have left who don't want to tell kids that being gay is is better than being heterosexual. They're very proudly the pro family. Yeah. They're the yeah. only people they have left who have families and have kids. Yeah. They're the only people like you have no one. There's no other allies in the Western Europe besides yeah. them. And and in the long run, in my view, is super pessimistic. This Muslims going to win anyway. They're outbreeding, and I think the average English woman has 1.6 kids. The average Muslim woman in England has like 6.8. Like they're just shit. within 30 years, yeah. we're outbred anyway. So yeah. the fight's over, done. It's done. It's not even close. The, the population is going to overpass us. So at least they have ideals which don't completely go down the liberal lunacy. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to me that the left. What's funny is their cognitive dis dissidents. The left, they idolize Islam and they idolize all their other bullshit, and they're completely non-compatible. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah. talking earlier about frame. Muslims have the best frame on earth. Mm. Like I said, this is why I piss a lot of conservatives off, but this is the truth. A lot of the reason the Taliban are fighting Americans, a lot of the reasons they're, they're literally fighting wars they can't win with an AK against a predator drone, it's because they're fighting for the right to, to have their virgin wife in a burqa. It's powerful. They yeah. look at Western cultures and look how Western women act, and they think, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want my women to be like, there's no wives there. It's crazy. I want this. Yeah. And this is my society, and they're coming along telling me they're going to blow this up and take this away from me. Yeah. No, I want a virgin wife at 16 who's going to obey me. That's what yeah. I want. If I have to fucking die to protect it, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And this is literally, the, the, that's the level. I had a friend who's a very, I won't say his name, he's, he's, you can Google him up, he's a really rich guy, lives in Dubai. And he comes to London to party all the time. And we're in the clubs, whatever, whatever. And he'll, he looks at me and says, look, look around. And we look around. He goes, there's girls here to f There's no wives here. Yeah. He goes, I'll, he goes, I'll f your, he says, I'll f your Western women, but I'm marrying a Muslim woman. Yeah. And it's like, this is how they view the world. America feels like that, man. There's plenty of girls to f but it's, well, it's not the best in the world, but it's pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, to find a wife or a mother for your children is tough for the f***ing Tough, yeah. exactly. That's yeah, crazy. And this is why we are the age we are and we're not married. And if we lived in an Islamic country, we'd be married at 21. Yeah. And, we, and we would have five kids by now. Yeah. And, and this is the reality of, of the human condition. And this is the reality of the Western world. And most people don't want to accept it. We can talk about countries, we can talk about governments, all these things. Without children, there's no future and there's nothing else. So you destroy the, the, you destroy the motivation for people to have kids. You're yeah. going to lose to the people who do have kids. This is an issue that needs to be strongly addressed within the black church. And g give me a second here to unpack a little bit of, of why I'm circling back to this. This is just a continuation of the conversation we've been having all week about single motherhood, the problems created in the hood. And, and, and for the most part, we're dancing around these issues. No one wants to take it head on. It's the biggest crisis, don't go anywhere. It's the biggest crisis, don't go anywhere. It's the biggest crisis going on within the black community. The, the fall of the black family, not raising women worthy of marriage or even interested in marriage. And we mostly dance around this issue and this week uh, when I started talking about the family and, and people thought it was interesting, like the Shade Room picked it up. And the Shade Room is a aggregator, a popular uh, inst social media account. And, and it's not surprising, like later that day, and I don't know if it's true, but later that day I started seeing rumors that T.D. Jakes and his family have some sort of financial stake or involvement in the Shade Room. And the Shade Room is very secular. 
but I thought it was interesting that they picked up my Tucker Carlson comments and didn't just like n really try to assassinate me with their promotion of it. And then you have to remember the TD Jakes, maybe a six, seven months ago, he started trending and got, people started talking about him when, when he, he did a sermon about uh, we're raising black women to be men. And, and it's true. Everybody's dancing around and nibbling at this issue. And T.D. Jakes went after it in, in that particular sermon and people talked about it. But this is like something that probably needs to be discussed every single day, every single Sunday. Churches need to be marriage factories. That should be their goal. Because if we don't restore the family, there's no future. And so corporate media basically forbids any discussion that promotes a Christian male heterosexual perspective. Just look at the reaction to my comments on Tucker Carlson's show last week. I argued that the destruction of the nuclear family drives the chaos, violence, and bad policing we see in black communities. I argued the absence of male leadership dooms black communities. Rather than debate these obvious facts, reaction across most social and mainstream media platforms focused on the timing of my comments and or whether I was fair to Cyrilyn Davis, the female police chief installed to fix Memphis's violent crime problem. We're basically forbidden from even discussing the fact that 60 years of great society legislation has turned black men and women into enemies incapable of sustaining marriage, developing masculine men, and maintaining order in their communities. Things are so bad between us that success is defined as moving into all white neighborhoods, being allies to drag queens, and affirming queer theory. It's so bad that black men of means are getting passports to find women outside of America. Passport bros is a thing because you can't sustain a relationship on racial idolatry or racial victimization. Racial idolatry and racial victimization are popular, pervasive talking points within black churches. You can't build a relationship on that foundation. That's what we've made into the common ground for black men and women at this point. Hey, we both experienced racism, let's date. It's gotta be deeper than that. Heterosexual, masculine men seek long-term relationships with women whom they find common ground with about roles in the relationship. Men of faith seek women whom they find common ground with about biblical values. If a woman thinks being an ally to the LGBTQ alphabet mafia is more important than being an ally to God, there's going to be a problem in the relationship. If she objects to male leadership in the relationship, there's going to be a problem. It's inevitable. Our marriage rate is low and our divorce rate astronomical because we don't agree on the basic fundamentals of a relationship. The discord over fundamentals leads to baby mama culture. 
Baby mama culture leads to train wreck neighborhoods and communities. Baby mama drama is driving men to acquire passports and look elsewhere for relationships. You can lie to yourself and claim these men are bitter or aren't man enough to deal with a so-called strong black American woman. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz already told you, American woman said, get away. American woman, listen what I say. Don't come a hanging around my door. Don't wanna see your face no more. I don't need your war machines. I don't need your ghetto scenes. You can be upset with me. You can just say I'm bitter and I'm just focusing everything on the black woman and I'm taking no accountability, no responsibility. Anybody that's watched this show knows that more than anybody you ever see in the public space, I take accountability for my mistakes. I talk about them constantly. I don't let anybody off the hook. But the facts are, we have embraced a culture that does not develop or produce women worthy of, capable of pulling off successful marriages. That's just a fact. That's not me taking a dump on them. That, that's, that's, if someone, if Kenny, who's working a camera, if he shouted out, you know what, Kenny, just shout out. Jason, you're fat. Please. Jason is fat. I can't be offended by that. It's a fact. I just can't be offended. I'd prefer he didn't shout it. But you know what? I actually would prefer he did shout it rather than let me live in a state of denial that I don't need to lose weight. He's shouting that I'm fat because he wants me to continue losing weight. He wants me healthy. And so I, I'm, me and others, this whole manosphere, I'm trying to, to say to the black woman, if you don't course correct, this chaos, this destruction, this lack of success is going to continue. And, and you're going to be sitting at home with a vibrator and some batteries or a girlfriend or whatever, no man, maybe some kid you got from a one night stand or whatever, but you know, as Kevin Samuels talked about, all these high value men are gonna become passport bros. And, and I'm not a passport bro. Because I didn't even know what passport bros were until yesterday. I've seen it over Twitter and, and thought, what is passport? I, I didn't even know what it was about. And then someone sent me an email yesterday. I was like, oh, that's what they're referencing when they talk about passport. And so yesterday I started doing research and I was like, oh. Because I mean, trust me, I've thought about being a passport bro. But I was like, oh, there's a movement doing it? And I'm like, you know what? Let me be like everybody else. I got the means. Let me go, let me go elsewhere because the solutions perhaps aren't here in America because our culture doesn't, our culture produces competitors for black men. 
it, it produces women who want to be leaders in a relationship, want to outwork and outperform you uh, in the workplace, wants to be the, the major breadwinner, wants to be the shot caller, no interest in being a helpmeet. It's it's our co and and you could say hey we can't trust you you guys play around you you, you guys want to go out you want some woman you can just run over and you can go screw whoever you want that may be the man your, your choice of man but but there are guys out here that have a biblical worldview and and have sincere religious faith that would love to f make it easy to find women that look like their mama that's on board with their program. But it's, 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 it's nearly impossible right now. They all think they're the kings, the woman king movie and all that, the equalizer. They think they can jump off balconies at 50 years old at 270 pounds and, and beat up men. It's a joke. We'll bring in, uh, we'll roll out to Minneapolis and uh, bring in Morpheus Royce White, the most interesting man in the world. Royce, uh, I want to, let me see where I want to start and bring you into this conversation. Uh, right now, I'm arguing that, you know, the, the, the divergent values and instincts and roles have basically made relationships between a black man and black woman unsustainable and a pipe dream. Well, absolutely. And, and we've talked about this before, but you know, the, the, um, the Willie Lynch address, right? The Willie Lynch address described this perfectly. And many people argue or debate whether the Willie Lynch address is actually authentic or not, but but whether it's authentic or not, I don't think anybody who reads it who grew up in the black community black community can deny its 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 accuracy from a cultural standpoint. We're raising our, our kids in reverse roles and, and it's not by accident. It's not by accident. Women have um, a much less impulse to revolt. Women have a much uh, you know less impulse to violence. Uh, and that was what Willie Lynch described or what is described in the address is that if you can, you know, convince if you can shatter the image of the black woman and the and the I mean, the, of the black man in the black woman's mind, she'll be your greatest guard dog. Um, and, and that's uh, that's that's a terrible realization when you really think about it is dark uh, and it's 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 quite perverse, but it is the reality and it is what has happened. The black woman has served as the outer bastion for the entire neoliberal, neocon establishment. And, and she stifles any real revolt from black men to, to either revolt in, in, in a real way, or even just get together politically, socially. Everybody has to be home by 9 p.m. or else they're, uh, or else they're out cheating and, and, and whatever else. So yeah, the, the black woman has, has become the greatest tool of the establishment, no doubt. I, I love you bringing, I wasn't prepared, but I love you bringing the Willie Lynch letter into this. And look, there's controversy about whether it's real or not, but, but there are some essential truths that are espoused in that. And, and I like how you basically point out, like, she will be the guard dog for which, and, and that is what the Democrat Party 
has done. If a, the black woman is like, if you're a black man and express conservative values, uh, if you don't vote the way they think you should vote, if, if, if for some reason, again, the, the number one crime you can commit as a black man is not hate Donald Trump. Right. That woman will then, you don't hate Donald Trump, uh, can't date you, don't want to be around you, there's something wrong with you. And, and, and so she, she is, she's so powerful and men, too many men are so desperate for what's between her legs that they fold in order to keep peace in the home and to keep yep. the relationship together. They pretend like they hate Donald Trump. And again, I, I've had to deal with this with a lot of my own friends. And again, not all, but a lot of my own friends where I've had to call them. I was like, you can't sit in front of me and pretend like Donald Trump is some sort of evil or has said something that you haven't said or done. He, he's no more or less immoral or moral than you, my friends. And I'm just talking about the, uh, many of them. Not all. I don't want anybody, my friends, wives watching and thinking <laughs> I'm talking about everybody, but I'm not, I'm not talking about everybody. But I know my friends, and I know who their friends are. And if it ain't them, they're certainly fr they're friends with me. You wouldn't like me if you thought everything Donald Trump thought and did in his personal life was out of bounds and, and it's a, that means you gotta hate me. If, if, not that I've ever said grab him by the P word, but I've said close and I've done close. And, and, <laughs> and so you gotta hate me. It's, I'd have to hate my uncle. I would have to hate my father. I would hate to ha have to hate everybody at the Masterpiece Lounge, my favorite place on earth. If, if some of the, uh, Donald Trump, I was like, hold on man, I used to go to Hugh Hefner's house for parties. What do we? So you hate me too. I, I'm so Im, so. I I I love and and I would want if you can if there's more meat on the bone. I would love for you to unpack just more about how the woman acts as the guard dog and the overseer and how much control she exercises over the black man and why that is leading many black men to say screw it. Let me grab yeah. a passport and go get me yeah. something else. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, and let me address two things first, and, and they, they correlate. The first is that the hatred of Donald Trump or the, uh, the lack of support or the disavowment of Donald Trump is not that we don't know men who act like that or we don't know men who are much worse than that. The, the dislike for him is that we don't want our elected uh, elected officials to too closely represent the reality of who we are. We we like that our public officials have this sort of pristine, clean cut uh, persona uh, where we can convince ourselves that they're doing much better than than any of us in representing us, which is a lie. Um, and and I and I want to start with with this as well. Um, make no mistake about it. I, I feel bad for what what's been done to women in this narrative, in this, this cultural Marxist communist narrative, because I understand from a historical standpoint, the communists and the cultural Marxists, they always go after the women first. They always join up with the women first because it's the oldest dividing line in human history. And it's easy to draw up a narrative on it. And, and I'll show you an example here in Minnesota. This is local. The Crown Act, it was just passed by Tim Waltz, or it's, it's being passed now in legislation, the Crown Act. 
that prioritizes that that black women are not discriminated against in the workplace for the texture of their hair. And, and don't get me wrong, black women, it's can, this is where the, the counter movement, the Republican conservative movement, the white, predominantly white Republican conservative movement has has completely misled this country. Because if there was ever a time in a workplace where we tell a woman like Shamika she can't wear natural hair, we actually served as the roadblock to talking about and legislating real issues. And it has happened. And it made it easy for the Democrats to now come behind and say, hey, black women, we got you. Don't worry about the war in the Ukraine. Don't worry about nuclear holocaust. Don't worry about the natural textured hair women in Africa or the Congo that won't have wheat and will starve to death. Don't worry about them. We'll just make sure that your hair texture is protected in the workplace here in America. And, and, and that, that's exactly, I mean, it's, and it's, this isn't a conspiracy theory. The governor of the state of Minnesota has touted this legislation as a huge progressive improvement in race relations and, and the overall uh, you know, circumstance of racism in this country and in, in, in the state and in the, in the city. And, and so, you know, black women have been marched around out front as a, as a, you know, as a battering ram for all the minority groups to line up behind her uh, and, and completely distract us from what's important. And the relationships are a byproduct, but it's not even really about the relationships. I mean, to be honest, the relationship, women being, being uh, you know, miserable in their late 50s and 60s, I mean, that's part of that, that, that accepted casualty rate. And that's what's really pervasive and, and really malicious about it. Karl Marx was a beta male, he was a cuck. He didn't believe in God. He probably despised his father and he probably despised his mother for being with his father. He probably despised ever being born. And women are following this guy and they don't even realize they're following this guy for the most part. It saddens me, it really does. What I find really hypocritical, particularly about the the Trump line, and, and, and is because we've loved to celebrate Bill Clinton as the first black president. That, that's like a running joke among black people. And I'm like, okay, so <clears throat> Trump's morality is a bridge too far. And this isn't me, because I don't think any of these people, any of these public politicians, none of them have any more morality than any dude that hung out at the Masterpiece Lounge or any woman that hung out at the Masterpiece Lounge in Indianapolis in the inner city. And, and my uncle, who, who I'm just gonna tell you how, and I'm just confessing and just telling you just how screwed up some of my values have been. But like my uncle, one of my, one of my favorite human beings to ever walk the planet, he left me his porn collection in his, like, that was his gift to me. He knew he was dying. Jason, you can have my porn. That's my uncle. That's what I mean. And, and I love this dude. And everybody in my family loved this dude. And I used to, when, when women in my family, they, they want to complain about Trump, I was like, what about Uncle John? Huh? I mean, did we not love Uncle John? Was he not great? And, but, but the thing about, it's like they love Clinton, who's in the White House getting serviced by an intern. <laughs> but, but his morale, well, we're, we're good with that. Uh, that, that, that. That's no problem. He, he's more moral than Donald Trump. It's, it's all so illogical, and that's been, my, it's instead of 
admitting like, hey, a lot of the stuff I think is illogical. Let me to su submit to some male leadership. I instead, they're going to go, you know what? You know who our allies are? LGBTQ. And th that's the other thing that, that, that drives me crazy is you'll see a Jamel Hill and these other people, LGBTQ, the transgender, they're our allies. And what's unstated but inferred and insinuated is the black heterosexual Christian man is our enemy. That's the ultimate betrayal in my, in my view. And it's, it's happening and I'm not going to sit here and lie about it. They'd rather partner with the LGBTQ alphabet mafia than the black man. What's a bigger sellout than that? There is no bigger sellout. And it's completely taboo for you to bring any criticism to the black woman in this country whatsoever, because many of our, our you know, our just cultural, you know, stories that we tell is, is the oppression of the black woman. And it's not that the black woman wasn't oppressed, and it's not that she hasn't had a, a, a very tragic and, and traumatic experience in American history. That's not the point. The point is, where are we today? Like, and honestly, if you can look out at the world and see where we are today and not understand this dynamic, uh, you probably are in on it too, because it's that obvious. I mean, look, and, and to, to, to your point about the politicians, it's not just the guy that goes down to the strip club, right? Or, or, or the, the politician that's getting prostitutes. Let's be clear. There is a clear link to sexual perversion and, and, and Satanism in the Democrat Party. And Bill Clinton, our Pedophilia. friend Bill, our friend Bill might be the shining example who was palling around with, with Jeffrey Epstein and Hillary Clinton hasn't come out and denounced it yet. She has yet to come out and denounce Bill Clinton's friendship with a known pedophile, a convicted pedophile. This is, these are the people who the Democrats completely overlook all of their sexual and moral claims uh, to, to, to vote politically or, or to participate politically. And it's like, do they, do they think, really it's an insult. It's an insult to the rest of us, but it's actually, you have to wonder, are they tricking themselves? Do they really believe it? Because if they really believe it, now we're into what's called mass, mass forms, you know, mass formation psychosis. If they really believe that there is no contradiction in the way that they vote and the way that they hold the moral sword over everybody else's head, uh, then they're, they're completely delusional. And we should in no way try and reach these people anymore. That's my, that's my prescription. And I think that's the real um, impulse towards the passport bros. But we're not gonna try and reach these women who go to these, uh, these massive um, twerk classes and say that it's for their physical fitness, right? And, and there's 50 of them. And there's one or two gay guys sprinkled in there. The one gay guy's black. He identifies as a white liberal woman. We're, we're not going to try and reach these people. And, and I understand the impulse. Um, I think in the final analysis here in this country, it's a little anti-Christian, in my opinion. We should be trying to convert people. We should be trying to minister to people. We should be trying to spread the gospel. Um, and, and if we don't, we may end up with the Muslim world and, and we may think that that's a good thing now, um, but, but that may turn out to be a, one of Satan's ploys as well. We don't know. I, I'm probably repeating myself a little bit here, but I, I just, I wanna be transparent. People always over social media will 
tweet at me pictures of me out socializing with friends of mine or whatever, and, and there's some famous ones of me with some white girls and me with some Asian girls that they get sent to me constantly over social media. And, and you know, some of them are in context, some of them aren't, some of them are just, but I'm not gonna try to put it all in context, I'm just gonna say this. Black men and women do not share the same values, and that's what this Passport Bros is representing. I, just, just in transparency, that's been my issue, and it's why I have tended to date non-black women. It's why I've tended to date white women. It's been about shared values. And, and it's, it's, it's like, I'm not going to compromise my values to start a relationship with someone who doesn't share my values. I'm not jumping over to her side of the values table. She's got to get on board with mine or it just will not work. It's just not happening. And, and if you look at our divorce rate and our lack of marriage rate or whatever, somebody's out of line here. And I, I just yeah. happen to think it's the black woman. She's adopted values that you know, don't sustain a marriage. And, 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 so, and there were many values of mine that don't support marriage and be able to pull off a successful marriage. I, I've, I've changed on those and I've acknowledged like there was things I was bringing to the table that, that was corrosive to a marriage. But, but there, someone earlier today sent me stats about uh, sexual partners and the sustainability of marriage. And when you start having more than one or two sexual partners in your life, your chances of pulling off a marriage go further and further and further down the, the, the two. And so the, the, there is a actual justification, reason, logic, science behind abstinence and not just you know, being sexually promiscuous. It, it limits your chance of pulling off a successful marriage. And, and, and it's certainly men's philosophy, particularly as it relates to women in promiscuity. You know, they may go into a relationship because, oh, this is great, great sex, blah, blah, blah. But, but their level of respect for that woman, if she's had, you know, Cardi B may get married one day, but trust me, whoever marries her, I don't care how many women he slept with, he's never going to respect her fully because mm. he knows he's marrying a hoe. And, and, and Kanye and, and Kim Kardashian, part of, part of the reason that thing never worked is because, and Kanye can be all in love with her and, you know, because she got him in a sexual trance. I, I've been there. I know what that's like. But fully respect her. Oh, Cardi B is married. I'm sorry. Uh, wh whoever you married to Cardi B, he don't respect you. He knows you're a hoe. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's just... It's the shared values thing, and I'm, I don't think men, particularly men of faith, particularly men that are looking for a woman with tr traditional values, we shouldn't compromise on that. Well, I think, you know, we've created an entire Captain Save a Whole culture in America. Um, and, you know, if you make all the women harlots, then by, by default, all of the men have to have to be willing to save a hoe in order to have a woman or in order to have children, be married. Um, and, you know, you could go back to the, the Bible and say that 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 Jesus 
um, found a way to love Mary Magdalene. And, and Jesus spent a lot of time uh, with, with the lowest of us, right? With the degenerates, with the gamblers and the, and the thugs and the thieves and the prostitutes. And, and, and there is some real Christian direction in that part of the parables. Um, I will say it's, it's the narrative that, that's been spun. And, and black women, you know, their, their cultural motif right now as it stands politically, as when it comes to being an American, being in the sexual marketplace, whatever, whatever you look at, their narrative is we are the oppressed of white supremacy unless you're white and you'll tell me that my natural hair is pretty or you'll tell me that I've been oppressed, or you'll tell me um, you know, how beautiful my big lips are, or, my, or you'll get butt injections to try and look like me because you know, that it's a sexual pursuit. Or, this, is the, this is the cultural motif. It's, it's completely built around superficial affirmation, and it has nothing concrete or substantive to it. That's why we can't put women in charge of monetary policy. That's why we can't put women in charge of the military. I saw a meme the other day and it had uh, a, a group of women that looked like they were around what would be like a slave mine or a, a, a slave, um, a slave d- dick dugout or something like that. And, and there were a bunch of men with the neck shackles in their underwear. And these women had on these, um, you know, what looked like late latex or, or leather um, uh, one pieces with the high heel boots. And they all had whips and they were whipping the men. And it was like, this is what the future needs to look like, right? And, and so, you know, they've been caught in that, in that narrative. And, and it's, it's widespread, it's pervasive. A lot of people who are in the, on the fence or maybe don't spend as much time on the internet or maybe aren't in my age range, they might not understand just how prevalent this, this thinking is. This was the emergence of, of OnlyFans, this, this type of mentality. And the main story that's been told, again, to go back to it with Karl Marx, and I hate to beat a dead horse, is about labor and, and, and resources and price. And Karl Marx wanted to reduce the human existence down to price. And he went after the woman first because he's telling a story that women deserve the same pay, the same spot in the natural order as men do. And, and here's one example for you, and I'll, I'll give you the sports example. Recently, um, in the World Cup, the women, all of the women soccer players, took home about $30 million out of uh, an allotted $131 million that, that was generated from the, the women's World Cup. $131 million generated there. The men took home $400 million out of an allotted $6 billion. Now, the narrative that Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon and New York Times and Nancy Pelosi and Michelle Obama and her little cuck man, Barack and Bill and Hillary and all these people will tell you is look at the disparity between what the women get and what the men get. It's completely illogical. It's completely illogical. The men drove in more money. And if you actually look at the, the, the facts the women are getting a bigger portion of the total revenue than the men get. And in that way, you see in that example where the women are being used in a narrative to suppress and and subvert men asking for their proper cut. That's how, that's why the nuance matters. That's why the details matters because Satan is that intelligent. He's actually using a narrative baked to look at the unequal distribution of of, of, of revenue between the two sexes as a way to have women beat down the working man. The narrative is completely backwards from what the reality is. 
Love your point because it, it takes me to a basketball example of, of what we keep seeing. I, I've even seen Kyrie Irving jump. Yeah, these WNBA players need to fly private. And, and NBA players love to talk about how WNBA players are underpaid. Yeah. And, and this is a joke. And, yeah. and I'm sitting there like, this is so illogical, but, but everybody wants to say what's popular over social media and will keep them in the good graces of women, not upset them. No one wants to challenge their illogic. But, but I'm like, the WNBA is like 20, 25 years old? In the 20, 25th year of the NBA, were they flying private? Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan in that era, they weren't even flying private. Michael was, so, but the rest of them so, weren't. But women's basketball is supposed to immediately, 20 years in, they're supposed to fly private just like the men. Even their, their league isn't generating any money. It's losing money every year. But everybody's in on it like, oh, well, they're getting mistreated because they're not flying private, and we need to make this an issue, and we need men to sacrifice what they have earned and dump even more money into a sport that's not generating money, doesn't have the kind of uh, popularity, and, and may never have the kind of popularity. But, but I see men going for it. And, and, yep. and I just, we just fold. We have no backbone. Well, well, I mean, we were raised by our mothers in, in many ways. And I don't mean our mothers in our homes. Let's get away from, uh, from that, that individual uh, fact. But, but we were raised by our mothers in the culture. In, in the country widely. I mean, this suffrage movement is not new. The, the corrosive nature of the suffrage movement, was which was essentially the women going to the black, the, the white women going to the black woman and saying, the black man got to vote before you did. How's that fair? That is the real alliance in, in the feminist movement. I want people to understand this is not modern. This goes all the way back to the inception of the suffrage movement and, and the, the, the hijacking of the civil rights movement where the, where the white woman drifted on over into, you know, in, into dark part of the city and, said, and, and got the smartest young black woman who was a little well-read and, and she put her hooks in her and she said, why did your man get to vote before you did? That's not fair. Um, and, and this is what we've lived under. So. I, I think the men doing it, especially in the NBA, that this is all they know. All they know is to protect their their sexual um, pursuits, their sexual viability. And this is the genius of hijacking the human reproductive system. If I can take one of the oldest biological systems that God put there for us to navigate the world and to procreate, to be fruitful and, and uh, to to be fruitful and and multiply, um, I got I got society by the by the collar, and and this this is a brilliant move. But but no doubt the WNBA uh, they should not be flying private uh, unless you're talking about from a national standpoint, right? Like me personally, if I'm the president of the United States or if I'm the one calling the shots. It's kind of embarrassing that other countries, women get paid more than the women here. I would say that that that's a, that's true, and and I wouldn't let that stand just a just out of a pride deal, right? National pride. We're not going to let the Russians pay their women basketball players more than we do. Why why would we allow that? Uh, but that's more competitive, right? And so you can make an argument there. But but if we were to do that, it would be a consideration made that has no financial justification. 
there is no financial justification for the WNBA to even exist, let alone for them to get the same treatment as men. That, that's just a fact. And at the, the same liberals, and let me show you how crazy this is. It starts to piss me off because the same liberals who will say that the women deserve equal pay were the same people telling me when I fought the NBA, they're a corporation. They don't have to deal with mental health. That's not their job. That's not their line of country. They don't have to. They don't. They don't have to worry about your mental health. Same young black men who were who are cucking behind the movement. Uh, all of them. All of this entire liberal movement. Those were the same people saying the NBA don't need to worry about mental health. That's not their job. But they do and are expected to cater to women and their place in society. Ain't that convenient? Y'all are trying to get laid. I'm telling you now. If you're trying to get laid out there and you're cucking behind this movement because you can't get any you are a cuck. That is cuckism. There's no other way to say it. There's no other way to say it. And and I'm not following those people. And I pray every morning that there will be a rising and increasing group of men who will not follow these people. Royce, thank you. Gonna let you go. Great job as always. Uh, Gonna move on. Hey, uh, sometimes the only way to survive the insanity from the left is to laugh through it. And Alex Stein is here with the cure. He's primetime 99. He's the pimp on a blimp. And his new show is coming to the blaze TV very soon. If you like unscripted comedy that trolls the ridiculous woke ideology, you're going to love primetime Stein with (laughs) primetime with Alex Stein. Say goodbye to political correctness and hello to primetime 99, who's always on the grind Watch Primetime with Alex Stein, premiering February 8th. Use the promo code PIMP on a blimp for $20 off Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash primetime. Jamaica Michelle, X. All right, welcome back. Let's roll off North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle, get a woman's take on all of this. Shamika, let's start with just a general question. Have, have you heard of the passport bros? And, and what do you think of them? Yes, I have heard of them recently. And when I first saw it, I didn't think much about it, honestly, um, because I think that men have been doing this for years. If you ask me, black men are late to the party. When you look at white men who have been doing well in life, a lot of them have married foreign women. You can just look at Donald Trump himself, he had Ivanka and he had Melania, and I'm not sure about that one in the middle, but white men have been doing this for a long time. So I think black men are just now coming up on it. And it shows that there are a lot of people just plain sick of feminism, period, across the board. So I have no issue with black men deciding 
that they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because what I think is that black women, they saw this happening, but they never thought it could happen to them. They continue to think you could just put anything in front of a black man. You could be fat. You can talk back. You can ridicule him, belittle him and be condescending anytime you're upset. And he's just going to continue to be right there because where else is he going to go? Now he's showing you he's going to get his passport and he's going to look elsewhere. And it's not about uh, just color. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, you all um, you, you suffer from colorism. A lot of these men are saying they want black women. They don't want American black women, which just shows that if we course correct, as you said earlier, we might could stand a chance, but as long as you think they're crazy, I'm right, I'm not changing, you need to bow down and listen to me, then you're going to be, you know, stuck at home with your vibrator. Can we course correct or have things gotten so bad that it, it, it's not fixable? I mean, we're so far down this feminism path and the way uh, women are being raised in this country, and you're right, it's not just black women, but just women in general are being raised in this path, in this path. And, and, and I'm just sorry, men are always going to maintain a natural instinct to be, to lead and to be masculine and to look for a wife that wants to play a different role than him. Is this fixable? I don't know about in our generation, Jason, but I do think of the more people that become aware that it's a problem will begin to teach their children differently. And that's really what I'm hoping that when the when I say course correction, that we'll start to teach our children to be different because we see that it's an issue. So for a lot of people, you know, they say you can't t uh, teach an old dog new tricks. I don't think you're going to help these old dogs. Some of them are set in their ways and they feel like this is just who I am. This is just how I talk. And they think that they're not going to change and they don't have to. And some type of magical hand is just going to reach out of the sky and say, well, let me give you this man because, you know, you don't want to change. You don't want to course correct. You don't want to look at yourself and take a good long look and actually be honest. Let me just bless you anyway. They think that. Let them keep thinking that. I don't care. But I do think for those of us that see the issue, we will begin to teach the generations coming after us something different. And we can only hope, Jason, I try to stay hopeful, but we have to realize that feminism has hurt both men and women because a lot of these men don't even realize how feminism have, has affected them. That they are very feminine. They, you know, mimic their mother's behavior. And so it's going to take a, a bunch of us coming together and actually realizing that there's a problem and be willing to talk about it and be willing to admit and acknowledge that it's an issue on both sides. I look at someone like Jamel Hill, and I've seen there's a pervasive mentality among this group of feminist black women that see the alphabet mafia as their allies. And then what's not stated is they see the heterosexual black man as their enemy 
and, and Jamel Hill and, and The Root and other people have just come right out and said it, that the straight black man is the white man of black people. I just, I find all of that just very offensive and sad. It's offensive, sad, and foolish because what I've noticed with black women is we applaud our own demise, starting with the worship of liberal white women and feminism. We worship that. We worship the LGBTQ community. We worship being fat and out of shape and not working out. We worship having hair and nails and being more concerned with materialism than actually character and how we carry ourselves. So we always applaud that hey yes hey girl yes queen that we applaud all of those things that are actually harmful to us you know every time i look on social media and i can see them talking about some new type of shapewear that you can put on and it'll pull your stomach in and lift your butt up and i'm thinking why don't you just push away from the table and exercise but not black women they're always looking for some type of cheat code and some type of way out and i'm hearing they don't even wash this shapewear walking around with it day after day after day they smelling like piss and corn chips, but we always applaud the things that are going to harm us. We and and big up it every time, every day. So I saw this clip, uh, Vivica Fox. They they got some show called The Queendom. It's basically a, a black version of The View. Uh, Fox Soul, I think, puts it out. And, and Vivica Fox is from Indianapolis, like me. She went to Arlington High School, I believe, with some relatives of mine. Uh, and, and she had a, upset with me talking about uh, what I said on Tucker Carlson. I, I think we have a clip of, of Vivica Fox on this show, The Queendom. Let's play that. Mr. Cloud Chaser, Mr. Unbelievable, Uninformed, Unintouched, black man you are a disgrace to our race and i'm glad every black woman was proud to tell you really the backbone of this country and a lot of wonderful things that are happening are because of black women it doesn't matter if they're single or if they're married or whatever they is they've been there for their children forever and will always be how dare you you're such an idiot and that's what i think of you you're a clout chaser Mm, I was was that I don't think that was Vivica. I think that was another woman that was on the show, or, or was that Vivica Fox? I, when I looked at it, I thought Vivica was was a different woman. But anyway, just your thoughts to the Queendom and the whole, just you know, I'm the worst person on the planet. I'm chasing clout. Well, black women are the backbone of this country. It explains why America seems to have osteoporosis right now, because we are just out of place. And I say this, there's no other group of women that think they are in control like that. Take away the weave, take away the lip fillers and the constant injections that it's so obvious that Vivica has. You all talk about you have so much pride and you're so confident and you love the the skin that you're in, we can't even see the skin. 
We can't. We can't see your natural hair. We can't see what you really look like. And so you get mad at these men that go elsewhere. You're not even listening to them. If they want a woman that has hair down to their back, why not go get one that don't have to hang hers up at night? So I think that until women stop lying, this is what we're going to see, Jason. And honestly, it's what women deserve. I want to go back to this whole allyship with the LGBTQ deal. Beyonce, her last album, Queer Friendly. Now there are stories about her highly queer-friendly concert tour that, that she's planning. And, and literally, I'm just telling you, there is a devotion among these feminist black women to doing everything possible to help the queer community, and we must be allies. And so when is Beyonce or anybody, any of these women, Jamel Hill, any of we're putting on an event that's gonna be black man friendly. We're going to celebrate and uplift. We know y'all got it rough. We know that, you know, things haven't been going well. And, and I guess maybe their gift to us is Black Lives Matter. They'll cape up for dead black men. Like a lot of white liberals, they love dead black men. But for the living, they'll do everything in their power for the queer community Nothing. I get, maybe Beyonce feels like she's doing a favor by being married to, to Jay-Z or whatever, but I just don't see him rallying, doing anything to empower black men the way they rally to empower the alphabet mafia. Because they want to be in charge and you can't lift up black men and celebrate black men and think that you're going to continue to run them. I hear a lot of black women say, I can't find a good man. I think you can't find a good man because you don't think they exist. So in order for you to be able to find a good black man, you first of all have to believe that they are real, they exist, and, and they should be celebrated and that you deserve one. So if you continue to think that there's no good black men, all men are dogs, men ain't shit, those are the only type of men you're going to attract. And when it comes to women like Beyonce, they get on my last nerve. You're so queer friendly, yet you went out here and married a straight black man and had his children, but you don't push that message to other women. I remember when she dropped Lemonade because she thought, you know, or it was said that Jay-Z had gone out and he had been cheating and all of the women were standing around saying, ooh, this is the breakup anthem of the summer. And I said, don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Beyonce is not leaving Jay-Z. This is not the breakup anthem. But me, uh, women were running around here breaking up with their men because Beyonce dropped lemonade. And then Beyonce turned around and got pregnant with twins. So y'all are real ignorant when you sit and even follow behind these women who will tell you one thing. Beyonce will say women run the world, but you ran yourself right around in that kitchen when you found out your husband was cheating because you didn't go anywhere. So stop pushing this message or stop listening to the message that these women are teaching when they aren't even living by it 
themselves. And what I've noticed, and it doesn't bother me, Jason, but black women are start ridiculing other black women and calling them pick me's. And I'm older, so I'm like, whatever, cool, I've already done what y'all are trying to do. But for some of these younger girls, it really bothers them. And I constantly tell them, it's better to be a pick me than a picked over. Stop listening to these people ridicule you because they are bitter and they are angry and just block them out. And it's unfortunate that these hoes and these loudmouth women are the ones that are pushed to the forefront. But as we band together, I think that black women and black men alike will see that there are good people right here in America that share values. It's just some of this riffraff that has gotten in the way. You know, first, first thing I need you to do is just I see the term pick me all the time over social media. Some of our audience may not know what's meant by that. If you would explain to the audience. So a pick me is supposedly a female who says or does anything to be picked by a man. So anytime a black woman a lot of times says something favorable about a black man, you'll hear a lot of feminists and even beta males to start ridiculing that woman and calling her a pick me because she wants to be picked. And why not? Like, why would you not want to be chosen? A man that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So you want to be a chosen woman. Why would you not why would you want to be overlooked? Like there are women out here that want to get married, that want to be a wife, that want to be a mom, and they're expressing themselves that way. They have no problem with women being on Instagram, half naked, talking crazy. You never see people in their comments ridiculing them for the conversation that they're having. Yet when you come across comments under women who are actually saying favorable things about black men, you always see them being ridiculed and called pick me's. And it's crazy to me. It shows how sick we are as a culture that we value things that actually have no value. And we uplift things that can actually hurt and harm us. You've, you've landed at the next point I wanted to make in terms of like, we basically outlawed correction of the black woman and, and black man as well. And so you'll see things over social media, on people's Facebook or Instagram. It's like, man, that's incredibly ghetto. That's a bad look. Someone, them six inch fingernails. Don't nobody want to be bothered with that. You can't even wipe your rear end. Why would a man want to be bothered? You're loud. You're in someone's face. You're arguing and bickering publicly in a loud way. And, and we're all just supposed to ignore it and not uh, criticize it. Whereas a woman that wants to be picked or chosen, we're gonna ridicule her and her behavior, but let a woman be out in public and loud talk and get up in the face of some man and, but you just can't handle a strong black woman. Why are you always, and, and, and it, it's, it's like we've illegalized good advice and corrective behavior for black men and women, but, but I just, someone has to tell these women, no, no matter what's said over social media, 
There's no man, and I don't care, he could be the biggest simp in the world. He can be the biggest idiot in the world, but he does not want some loud, profane ghetto. And if he does want that, you need to run away from him because that man is, if he wants some loud woman that gets up in his face and is profane, that means he, he wants that smoke. And that's eventually he's going to turn into a man. He's going to punch you in the face and be like, I thought that's how you liked it. That's how you, you're a strong black woman. You, you don't, but it's like, we can't correct each other. We can't steer each other a positive direction. Yeah, if he wants a woman that's constantly ridiculing him, you have to look and see if that's trauma bonding. Like, how was he raised? Because why would you even want to enter into something where you have to constantly fight and argue and explain? Who has time for that? You certainly won't be a successful man if you have to have a woman that you have to control when she says, you know, I need a man who can control me or I need a man that can handle me. Well, you need to go and live at the zoo because that's where they handle people. They handle animals at the zoo. So if that's what you want, you don't even belong out here in society because we, we ain't got time to be trying to handle and, and manhandle women. You need to be able to have control over your emotions and have respect for yourselves in order for a man to to want to deal with you. So if he wants something else, he's not even a good man to start with. And we have to stop acting as if we are choosing the right man when we start belittling all the other men. Like if you ran into a man, most of the time you've seen who he is, there are red flags. If you ignore them, that's on you. And people hate when you make generalizations, but I just feel like people should be smart enough. If you know it doesn't pertain to you, if it doesn't uh, fit, you must acquit or whatever, you know? Be able to realize when you fall into some type of category and when you don't. That was one of the things that irritated me about that Fox Soul piece with Vivica Fox and the other women. Why are people having such a hard time separating the issues here? Separate the issue from um, the death and what, what is happening and what we can actually see going on in America. If you want to pretend like this matriarchal culture is not harmful for us, then keep pretending, keep living in la-la land. But we know that it's an issue and you're right. Black men and black women don't want to be corrected, but let's be honest. It's really the black woman that is above correction. It's the black woman that has an excuse for everything. And my kids say this saying, excuses are tools of incompetence. So when you hear her constantly throwing out an excuse, that's a prime example that she's incompetent, period. Mm. Good stuff. We'll end on that note. Thank you, Ms. Shamika. Great job as always. You can email me and us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Got another batch of great emails yesterday. Keep them coming. Uh, love to hear from you guys, particularly those of you that have been given to Preborn or using one of our sponsors or coming to the roll call event that we're having April 15th. Need you guys signing up for that. We're eventually going to uh, escalate the cost of the tickets for roll call. And that's why you want to sign up early before we raise the rate to, to attend roll call. Uh, TJ Moe, discussion about Tom Brady and Giselle. Next.
atheist, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect, you know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture, and we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put out our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. All right, we're going to switch up topics, talk a little sports. Uh, Tom Brady retired uh, yesterday, announced his retirement on the uh, first day of Black History Month. Interesting, don't you think? <laughs> anyway, Tom Brady announces his retirement for good this time. And, uh, well, let's, let's, let's hear from Tom Brady himself. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. 
I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. So, Tom got a little choked up. I have to admit, I'm t overall, I like Tom Brady. I wish that he hadn't come back this year. I wish that he had kept his word with his wife and maybe he'd still be married. I, I congratulated him on his retirement over Twitter. and you know, Not that he cares what I have to say, but I did say, hey man, go pull off the greatest comeback ever and get your wife back and restore your family. That's my wish and hope for Tom Brady. And then yesterday, uh, everybody reacted to Tom, I think put out a post over Instagram and Giselle responded over Instagram uh, with a very corporate response, wishing you only wonderful things in this new chapter of your life. Uh, TJ Moe, we're gonna roll out to St. Louis and get TJ's reaction. A lot of people being critical of Giselle saying that's too impersonal, it, it's, it's not strong enough, or it's not personal enough, it, it sounded very HR-ish. I don't have a problem with it. What is she supposed to say? And I'm sure she said something to him in private or has over the past year in private, far more personal than that. She just acknowledged publicly that you know she's wishing him well. Uh, your thoughts on the retirement and how Giselle's public comments? I think that was taken directly from a Hallmark card. Um, I have any Walgreens that I've ever been in. I opened that up and that's exactly what it says. Uh, she did not write that her, her, maybe her new boyfriend wrote that or her uh, PR artist, someone who spent a little bit of time wrote that for her. It was certainly not her. Um, if you actually cared about someone in during their retirement, which you did not participate in, she has now come out, um, she is she is talking through some friends to People Magazine and such, and she's like, "Look, I'm very disconnected to this. I, I I'm not a part of this decision making process, obviously." And so, I would have liked for her to come out and just say, "I'm so glad you're you're going to be able to spend some more time with our kids, and can't wait to have you around more." Right? Just just something personal, not straight out of a Hallmark card. So I actually did not like the way she wrote that at all. I mean, I suppose it's better than writing nothing, but it's still a Hallmark card. Hold it, so. hold it, TJ, I gotta stop you. If she says what you just said, everybody goes, oh, look at her taking a shot. She clearly upset Tom didn't spend enough time with the kids, and now she's throwing a tantrum saying, now you've got no excuses, Tom. That's how that would have been interpreted. I disagree because I think every it's it's so well known to anybody paying attention that that was obviously true and it caused a divorce. So why is she throwing a tantrum now? It would just be an acknowledgement that She's of course not. I want to do that. But well, that's my point. Even if she were to be saying that, she would not be throwing a tantrum. She would just be saying, we, they're both stationed in Miami now, based on what I'm reading. They're, they're moving from Tampa. She's in Miami. 
Um, they're both going to be back and forth, I guess, and around the kids. And so Tom has spent it. It's no secret that when you're playing at the level he's playing in the NFL, you don't have that much time for family. As we discussed, I think it was last week, your, your playbook is your Bible. That's where all your extra time goes in the film room and everything else. So I, I don't think it's a shot to say, I'm so glad you can spend some time with our 10 year old and our 13 year old that for nine months out of the year, don't get to see you hardly at all because you're living out of town and you spend more time with Rob Gronkowski than you do our kids. I don't think she can win here. And, and so let's get to our approval rating. We can continue this discussion, but let's do it while talking the approval rating on Giselle Bunger. And, 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 and it's funny, I already know the results of this. I've actually got a lower score for Giselle than you do, and I'm the one here <laughs> defending, defending her. But uh, as it relates to job performance, I can't go very high because I see her primary job as mother and spouse and, and you know, she's in divorce. She's talking about restarting her modeling career. She, you know, she's already made a, a ton of money. You know, I know Sam Bankman Freed or whatever, is it Sam Bankman Friedman or whatever took a bunch of it or allegedly took a bunch of it. But mm-hmm. so I only gave her a 10 in job performance. She's not doing a great job as a mother and a spouse right now. Had I viewed it the same way you did, operating as though her her primary job was a mother, um, I, I think you. It, even if you say her job is not primarily spouse, let's say it's mother. Your job as a mother is to make sure your kids have a father and a home, right? And so she's failing certainly there. Um, I gave her a 25 because I was evaluating her modeling career, to which she retired. And five seconds later, Louis Vuitton showed up and said, please come do this campaign for us at 42 years old. And if you've paid any attention to if you follow her on Instagram, uh, which is probably just not a wise thing to do, uh, but I do. And she's she's 42 years old in unbelievable shape for a 42 year old. She's she's on the TB12 plan. I assume she's doing the avocado ice cream and everything that comes with that. And uh, she did not skip a beat from who she was when she was a Victoria's Secret supermodel. So if you can go straight out of retirement to a Louis Vuitton campaign, it's hard to knock you, man. Uh, Character, I can't go very high there either. She's getting a divorce. She allegedly already has a boyfriend which raises questions about, (laughs) did she have a boyfriend before the divorce or before Mm -hmm. things were officially over? There are rumors that, you know, something was going on outside the marriage. So I gave her a 10 in character as well. So this is where I evaluated her motherhood and uh, so we sort of switched to here. I gave her a four and it's like, if you're not a serial killer, you're probably going to get at least a four from me. And so she's not a serial killer. <laughs> and this is about as high as I'll give her again, 42 year old posing, mostly naked, uh, virtually any, really across the world right now. She's in Costa Rica and all sorts of different places. Um, she was willing to destroy her family and, uh, and take the father out of the home of a 10 and 13 year old. I think, uh, and again, I just can't imagine as a 10-year-old looking up on the, the, the cover of Vogue magazine and seeing my mom half naked. I, I just think that's an incredible thing that you would put your kids through. Um, she's also very weird. I mean, I've, I've not read too much about this until, until we, we dove into this today. 
she's got some weird witchcraft stuff and she's talked about it. I mean, she's joking, maybe. Um, but there's a there's a an article on CBS Sports from this is 2019. And Tom talks about how before every game she makes him an altar and gives him these healing stones and this necklace and these drops he needs to take and then tells him before each season if he's going to win the Super Bowl or not. And he says she's never been wrong. Right. And she says, um, I think the quote is is here basically saying, hey, you're lucky I'm a witch. I'm just a good witch. And so. Tom said that to the CBS reporter here. So, um, and again, not a serial killer. So she gets four points from me, but that's as much as I'm willing to give her. Mm, uh, Authenticity. I'm kind of down the middle. I gave her a 14. You know, she's basically, she's thrown herself back into her career. She, she's fed up. I can't tell if she's doing it out of anger, why she's abandoning her kids. Again, she's got plenty of money. It's, it's time to put some clothes on and be a mother. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's being authentic to who she wants to be and who women are supposed to be in America and in the Western world now. They're the leaders. They're the breadwinners. They're career-driven just like men. You know, she's halfway authentic. I gave her a 14. I gave her a 20, not because I like her, but I I think she actually believes this is who she is. I'm with you. I think she was actually dating this. His name's Joaquim Valent is his name. That's her trainer. Since the divorce, they've been pictured having dinner in Costa Rica together. They've been pictured horseback riding. They've been pictured out jogging together. This is obviously more than just a trainer relationship. Um she was willing to sacrifice her marriage. I don't know how much more authentic you, she, she just decided here's who I am and what I want to do. I'm a witch. Apparently doesn't have a problem saying that. And sure. I'll, I will give up my marriage to one of the most popular men in the, in America today. No problem. Um, so that is authentic. I mean, I give her that. I don't like her for it, but it is authentic. She was authentic enough to come out and say, Hey, I don't like Donald Trump. Take that MAGA hat out of your locker. Tom Brady. So she's had her moments. She's not afraid. This is who she is. I just don't like it. Yeah, I I, I don't think she I think she does. I don't think it's about not liking Donald Trump, because if she didn't like Donald Trump, she wouldn't be married to Tom Brady. I think it's more (laughs) about uh, Donald Trump. You and that hat are bad for my brand. Take that hat out of your locker room, out of your locker. You're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting me. so that's now authentic. we get to it factor where I don't think there's going to be a lot of disagreement. Uh, she's a smoke show. Uh, mm. she's, she's definitely got it, and, and she'll have it, it looks like, for at least another 10 years. Hats off to her. Uh, I give her a 25. She also got a 25 from me. She was the world's leading earner in modeling for 14 straight years. So not just a conglomerate over that time. It's from 2002 to 2016. She was number one every single year, making between 30 and $40 million. Fun fact, I think it was uh, Kylie Jenner that uh, that overtook her in 2017 as the the top model, one, one of the Jenners. And so uh, she's been on the cover of over 1,200 magazines. I, if that doesn't give you a pretty high impact, or I don't know what does. She also created another fun fact, if you get on Wikipedia, she pioneered the horse walk, which I had never heard of, but apparently is the walk that you'll see every Victoria's Secret model doing on the runway today. And so 
she's got it again, not a fan of her. I mean, I can't say if you said, Hey, what is your approval rating? If we, if we rated her, like we do the president, do you like him? Do you think he's a good, doing a good job in life? She'd have gotten like a 10 from me, but the way we set it up, she got a 74. <laughs> I've got her at 59 candlelit. You've got her at a grease fire, uh, 74. TJ, I just thought of something weird and crazy. We may, maybe I'll talk with Steve Kim about it. If Giselle really wants revenge, if she's really angry and she's a witch, I think in the next two years we'll hear about her dating Bill Belichick. That would be my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I wondering if Bill Belichick would have the discipline to say no. <laughs> Or, he's got, you know, but Robert Kraft just got remarried, so he's probably not a candidate. But he's, he likes he's younger a, women. Yes, he does in Florida in beauty shops or whatever, massage parlors. Yeah, yeah well, now he's married to some young woman as well. All right, TJ, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. Uh, great job as always. Go to YouTube.com/slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notification. Hit subscribe. Korean Cosell, Steve Kim next. All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean co-sell. Steve Kim. Steve, let's get right to it. I want Tom Brady to pull off the greatest comeback in the history of sports and restore his marriage to Giselle Bungeon. Am I stupid for that? Is there any possibility... This would be a bigger comeback than 28 to 3. It's over. She's moved on. I mean, what, what, good grief. And by the way, looking at her, Kevin Samuels is right. That wolf like Floyd Mayweather, man, it's undefeated. He could do better right now. What he has to do is restore his relationship with his kids. That's the important part. If this marriage is over and if that union is broken, that is very, very unfortunate. However, if she's already out there rolling around on the mat with her jujitsu uh, instructor, <laughs> isn't that game over? I mean, let us be honest it's about it. It's probably game over, but it's off. never over. It's never over. It, it, people get remarried. People, you know, uh, forgive infidelity. If people didn't forgive infidelity, the divorce rate would be probably twice as high as it already is. Hold on, hold on, Whitlock. You're being incredibly naive here. I'm glad for our audience, the old Kimsters here. The philosopher Chris Rock, when he was still very funny, said one of the most important true things in all of mankind. A person, specifically as a man, is only as loyal as their options. However, I'll add to this. They're only as forgiving as they have to be. Now, if you're some sad sack with a beer gut, you've lost all your hair, you don't have much of a future, and you're not Tom Brady, yes, you preach forgiveness. But right now, Tom Brady, he's free. He is free as a bird. And like a wishbone quarterback at Oklahoma, call him White Jamel Holloway. That man's got options. A lot of options. So I'm just, again, you're looking for this Disney movie story happy ending you know what there's a reality here and tom you got options my friend you have options you're okay men age like wine others age like milk just keep that in mind just being honest here 
<laughs> it's harsh, but I'm just being honest. Right? Well, Come on, first you know you He's not free. He's got kids with her. And sometimes you have to do right. what's best for the kids. And look, maybe divorce, I don't think so, but maybe it's best for the kids, who knows? But he, he's not free. And then, you know, and Steve, I know this isn't your thing, but I don't know if the guy's got religious faith or whatever, but when you are a Christian, it reduces your options. And that's why, you know, we tell people to take on the faith because you don't need all these options. That, that, that allows you to take the I, easy I way out too often rather than doing the best thing for yourself. Well, I actually agree with a lot of what you say. However, I have a question. Did yeah. Giselle, old Gigi, did she act Christian? Did she show any respect for her husband? Did she keep up her marital? See, here's the thing. We don't understand the real dynamic of that relationship. We don't. Only those two do. She made a decision to be almost, I don't say very public, but it came out. She went out with another man. She did not have the respect for her husband to keep that private. That's a breach. That is a breach, Jason. You are married to Tom effing Brady. You can't even keep it on the down low. That's 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 disgraceful. That is not the Patriot way. No, Tom. Again, <laughs> options, options. <laughs> you wanted my opinion. I like that. That's not the Patriot way. That, that's pretty good. Uh, Thank you. Let's move on to a more football-related topic. We'll get out of Tom Brady's personal life. Yeah, please. Nico Ryan's. Yes. D'Amico Ryans, the former NFL linebacker, has been an NFL assistant coach since 2017, started out quality control with the 49ers, then became inside linebackers coach, been the defensive coordinator for two years. He's now headed back to Houston where he starred as an NFL player. He's going to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. He's the Texans' third straight black coach in the very racist NFL. Do you think D'Amico Ryans is has paid enough dues you think he's going to be successful in houston you know jason in a few years they're going to get around to hiring eric the i don't know what other two black coaches they're going to have the next couple of years but no but seriously look i told you this couple of weeks ago D'Amico ryan's and ben johnson were the two coordinators i believe had really rocketed up the ladder and D'Amico fits like a glove he did an excellent job he's a respected coach seems like players rally around him and then you know putting aside his race he played for the houston texas was a pretty solid player coming out of the university of alabama uh, i saw that the alumni of the texans gathered and they had a get together to welcome him i think this fits look the reputation and the perception of that organization right now is at rock bottom they needed to hit a home run so I think they did that in terms of hiring the right man, and I will make a prediction. D'Amico Ryans will get at least two years. Yes, I think he'll actually break the trend. He will He will not have to clean out his office in 11 months, Jason. So <clears throat> I'm certainly rooting for him. I, I, I want him uh, to be the Doogie Hauser of, of defensive coordinators and transition to head coach, but – it's it's when you go from being I think a ten year NFL player to six seven years later you're the head coach of a football team and and this is why it's a little different than Sean McVay and some of these other uh, 
young head coaches like Sean McVay when he went to Miami of Ohio I think to play wide receiver he knew he wanted to be a coach right and, and being the head coach the job is actually coaching the coaches yeah. it's no longer about coaching the players and I just hope D'Amico Ryans is ready for that it, yes it, it's, I, it's and has spent enough time in the lane in the mindset of being a coach to be prepared for that responsibility. You know what? You're absolutely right. However, you know what I like about D'Amico Ryans and, and Motor City Dan Campbell? They play football. I actually like this trend of guys that get this. Play the game! Okay? I'm sick of these analytic guys who probably play Dungeons and Dragons on a Friday night. No, D'Amico Ryans was on the gridiron hitting people. And he's very relatable. He's young enough where he's not too young but he's not old, and maybe that's the new trend. My only concern is, Jason, and we, I think we've talked about it. I talked about it with Coach JB. Most of your successful coaches of the past generation have been offensive guys who the perception is that they are a little bit better at clock and game management. So that's going to be an issue. But, look, this is a rebuild. The Texans need to have patience with them, and they need to say, look, D'Amico, four to five years, you got that window. Let's draft ourselves a quarterback. Let's not make this complicated. Let's just get Bryce Young, even though he's small, and let's protect him, and we will grow with you. But his first hire, as you say, coaching coaches, get yourself a first-rate offensive coordinator and let him worry about that side of the football. Just, I love the Dan Campbell analogy. Dan Campbell spent 11 years as an assistant coach before becoming a head coach. Dan Campbell, 45 or 44 when he got that Detroit Lions job. D'Amico's 38. D'Amico Ryan, his NFL career ended in 2015. Seven years later, that's a microwave. And then, you know, for two years he didn't coach. His first coaching job was in 2017, quality control. He's been put in a microwave. I hope uh, that it works out. Maybe he's that guy. But I'm just... Coaching the coaches is the job yeah. of a head coach, and that's different than coaching players. And, and I'm sure he'll be involved with the defense or whatever, but good luck to D'Amico Ryans. He'll have a lot of support. They're going to they're pour a lot of resources into making him successful. They don't want to be changing up coaches in two years from now. Uh, the other big coaching move is the Denver Broncos acquire Sean Payton. Mm. And, and there are reports like he was their third choice, probably mm. because they didn't want to have to give up a draft pick to get him or whatever draft capital they had to give up. I think a first-round pick and something else. But do you think Sean Payton is going to turn things around in Denver and turn things around for Russell Wilson? This will be one of the more fascinating uh, storylines going into next year because on the surface, you would think it would work. But I really wonder, is Wilson salvageable? Uh, I just I have question marks about that. And let's take a look. Look, Sean Payton knows how to run an offense. And him and Drew Brees, I think, were perfectly aligned. But if you look at that style of play, it was a lot of short timing, precision throws. The ball had to get off on time. Russell Wilson was never that guy. Even at his best, when he had a Hall of Fame arc, Jason, do you remember games where everything was just on time, back foot hit, ball out? I, I really don't. What I remember about Russell Wilson at his best is a strong running game, uh, running, working off a of play action, and then extending plays with his athleticism and making things happen with his legs. 
I don't know how he's going to take to this. To me, if I'm Sean Payton and I find myself a sucker that wants Russell Wilson to take him off their hands, I would actually think about bringing my own quarterback that I'm comfortable with. I'm not so sure that marriage is going to absolutely work. I feel good about this marriage. And, and, and it's because I think Russell Wilson can transition into what Drew Brees was, a, a pocket passer, get the ball really? out on time. His legs, he doesn't have the, those same legs he had younger in his career. I think he's going to be all in, back against the wall, because he knows his reputation's on the line. He's going to do exactly what Sean Payton asked him to do. And I think it's going to, another, here's another short quarterback who, you know, not as accurate as Drew Brees traditionally, but I do think he has that kind of accuracy, throws a kind of tight spiral that could be, he's not going to be playing indoors like Drew Brees, but, but I think they'll run a style of offense They'll go out and get him a Michael Thomas-type receiver. They'll go out and get him a slot receiver or, or whatever they need because I think some pieces are already there. Don't think I, Jeremy yeah. Judy, uh, there's pieces Judy already there. Has flashed. Um, there's a big-bodied receiver that I thought was going to be key. He got injured. His name escapes me, but he was certainly missed. Uh, Hamler is a speed receiver. But I just, I'm just telling you there are certain times when it ends it ends and Russell Wilson now is on the spot, but that's going to be the greatest adjustment that he has to make that when in the Sean Payton system, there's going to be 20 to 25 plays where that ball has to be out at a certain time with precision and timing and then accuracy. Let's see if Russell Wilson can actually reinvent himself. I want to stick with one more football topic and then I'm going to get to Steven Jackson but uh, Arian Foster <laughs> made news this week with, uh, I don't, let, let's play the clip. Let's take a look at what Arian Foster said. And everyone's reacting and making a big deal out of it. I don't get it why everyone's making a big deal out of it. You know, I, I think the guy, it was a lark and, and not a real super serious comment. But he, here's what, and I think this is on part of my take. Isn't he talking with PFT, I think, here? From, no, I don't think that's anyway, them. I, I, not PFT. I, I thought, anyway, let's play the clip. It's funny, before we started taping, uh, Arian was telling me about how the NFL is rigged and how every year he used to get a script. Yeah. Day one of training camp that would mm -hmm. get dropped off at his locker. Mm -hmm. And you would have to, you know, it was like week one, you'll do this. Week two, you're going to have a hamstring injury. Week three, this is going to happen. Yeah. Week four, you're going to get three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And so then you just have to, did you memorize those? Before the season started, would you go and rehearse the script before every game? Uh, we were really dedicated to it. So it was more so like um, that's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script. Like this is what goes on and this is what we have to do mm -hmm. in order to. Yeah. And this referee is going to miss this call yeah, because they hate you yeah. and they love the Colts. Yeah, that sort like, of thing. Uh, WWF. So it's like, you yeah, know, we know what's going to happen, but you still got to put on a show. Yeah. What did yeah. you think when you got the script in 2016 that said your career was going to fall off a cliff when you stopped believing in God? That was 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. so see, this dude loves weed, if my memory serves me correctly. And. You know, he's become an atheist or what. I just think this dude is just saying stupid stuff to get in the news cycle. I don't think he actually believes that. Well, it worked. 
I don't think there's any doubt that was tongue in cheek. Cause let's say that was real. Could you imagine if there was like this almighty script, like, um, hey, Josh Gordon, you're going to go Cheech and Chong every year and you're going to ruin what's going to be a fantastic script. Hey, Aaron Hernandez, script here, page 43, you're going OJ. Yeah, you're going to go OJ. I mean, of course it is. But we cannot conflate or we shouldn't. And I think a lot of people do this and maybe we're guilty once in a while. Terrible officiating for actually scripting out games. That's all I'm saying. Is it suspicious at times? Yes. One thing I know about Arian Foster, even at his peak, and he was a guy that kind of an up-and-down career at Tennessee and then blew up in the National Football League with the Texans where he was a really good multi-purpose back for about three, four years. But even in that stretch of time, he was very conflicted about the game of football. I, don't, I think he played it as a profession, which is his right. He was very good. But football playing was something he did. It's not what he was. I, look, and it's okay. I don't think he loved football. He got exactly what he wanted out of it, and it came at a sacrifice. And now I don't think he cares who he ruffles in terms of feathers and with that type of show, maybe they're just having fun. I give him credit, though. If you're saying his goal was to get everyone's attention, uh, mission accomplished. So I think the name of the podcast is called Macro Dosing with PFT. So I, I, I was hmm. right uh, okay. to some degree. But, but is, I think Hadley said, is the, the host of the show a guy named Tim Patrick? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I think... I think there's a big difference between scripts and games that are manipulated by officiating. And I'm going to tell you the one thing that I find very unsettling about NFL officiating. It looks like every ref now has an earpiece in, Mm. and I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that. And a lot of times when calls come in late, calls come in uh, like that like that seem bogus. Or unre- I, and just you got to remember how many cameras are on the field and how many different things someone in a control room or people in a control room can be watching every aspect of everything that's going on the field. And it's it's nothing for them to be able to say, hit a button, throw a flag, we saw something that you missed or we want called, and particularly all these illegal contact calls, you can call that on virtually every passing play if you want, and it, it always seems to come in at a very handy time, and when they need a makeup call because they blew the previous call, it always seems to come in at a very handy time. I just don't like the, the earpieces and all the refs because it just makes me think, who are they, who's talking to them during the game? And does that explain where some of the late flags are coming from? So that, that's my take on that. The last thing uh, I want to go over with you, Steve, Steve Jackson, I, I don't hmm. know if you know this yesterday, but uh, on the first day of Black History Month, uh, it seemed to be timed up perfectly that uh, Tyree Nichols, who died, I believe, on January the 10th maybe, or, or somewhere in mid-January, but the funeral, not until uh, the first day of February, but Al Sharpton and Ben Crump uh, spoke, and Stephen Jackson, uh, not a fan 
uh, actually tweeted out, do, don't we have, do we have the criticism, I think, or is it, did he talk? I thought he actually said something, criticized. Do, do we have those? No, we don't, we don't have it. Uh, but he criticized Al Sharpton and, and Ben Crump and, and said that it's not a coincidence. These guys keep showing up at all these events. I'm, I'm, give me a second. I'm going to call it up verbatim. Steve, make some small talk while I look this up. Yeah, I mean, right now, this is shakier than Anita Baker going through the national anthem. But we're going to get through it. We'll, 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 by the way, you know I love Miss Baker. When I'm watching that national anthem, I was like, oh, Anita, come on. Come on, hit that. And then she got through it. Miss Baker, you still gave us the best that you got. Uh, still, I, I love you. You know that. But got to gotta brush up a little bit. Got to brush up. That's, the, that's, that's my uh, small Here talk. it is. Here it is. This is over Instagram. This is underneath. Mm-hmm. This is a post he put on the Shade Room. Y'all keep letting these folks fool y'all. Same scene, Al Sharpton, Crump crew. All for political gain. They prey on people's pain. <laughs> Seen it firsthand with George Floyd. If it's not a national media case, you won't see them. Yet we getting killed everywhere by police. Free game. That's Steven Jackson on uh, oh. on Al Sharpton and Ben Crump. I kind of like that. I mean, he gave him all the smoke. He did. You know. You know what? You, you know what this is? This is the code. <laughs> Steven Jackson ain't on it. I, I kind of respect it. I do respect it. I, I wonder though. If in a few days, if he gets a lot of heat on social media because he's not on code, again, he's not with that approved messaging, and if there's a mob mentality against him, if he's going to make up for it somehow by saying no. something. No, that's radically. not going to happen. You don't think so? There's not one, He's not going to get any pushback because everybody knows this is true. I, it, it's Oh, that's look, never man, stopped I feel bad for angry. That's never stopped any mob. Any, I, I any get it. Kid. I, uh-uh. I, I get it, but what I lo- I don't think he's going to get any pushback just because Steve, his relationship with George Floyd and his reputation because of George Floyd and just his persona, the, the shade room and all that. They're not going to give him any pushback on that. And and because everybody, what is Al Sharpton doing there? He doesn't know Tyree Nichols. Why is he officiating uh, yeah. this man's funeral? And 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 I know we're not supposed to uh, have anything negative to say about a family that's gone through tragedy or whatever, but, but by letting Al Sharpton and Ben Crump come in and arrange and orchestrate and shout out all the celebrities that are at your son's funeral, lets everybody know this isn't about justice or as Ben Crump kept saying yesterday, justice, just, I mean, this man can't even say the word justice justice, whatever, but everybody knows this is about getting money and about becoming celebrities and building your own personal brand as a spokesman for police brutality. It has nothing to do, and I watched a lot of the funeral, and and I saw one of his brothers basically say, these aren't the words, but this was the inference. It's like, man, Tyree wasn't the typical black dude. He liked to ride on skateboards. He's... I don't think, and again, I'm just speculating, based off of what I heard from the family, this ain't no Black Lives Matter dude. 
This was a dude that mm -hmm. liked to skateboard and was, you know, ain't the stereotypical brother. And here's Al Sharpton and Ben Crump and members of the family turning him into something he, he wasn't and having a bunch of strangers uh, show up at, at, a, at a funeral and lead and conduct a funeral about someone they don't know. It, it, it dishonest, disingenuous to me. Not a fan. And yeah, I'm glad I mean, Steven Jackson called it out. Jason, just when some of the heat had died off from the inferno that you caused last week, I love your tweet when you said, Ben Crump, what did he get, like a third grade education? I was like, oh, God, Jason. Oh, look out. I had to duck the shrapnel. By the way, didn't keep me from retweeting it, but I, I ducked. I ducked under the, under the bunk. I thought I'm getting out of here. The man can barely speak English, and somehow he's the greatest lawyer. And it's it's embarrassing. And don't blame it on all. Oh, he's from North Carolina, and that's how they talk. No, not educated people. This dude is a CIA asset. Period. End of story. That's the only explanation for his role in any of this. They found an idiot, a useful idiot, and he's collected. He's running around collecting a check, an ambulance chaser. Stephen Jackson can see. It. Everybody can see it. He don't care about any of these people. No, he probably doesn't. Have we said enough? Way, well, yeah, one last yeah, go thing. Ahead. Uh, I, you got I, a thought on the passport bros or what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, make sure they're both ways. You don't want to get stuck over there. Always make them two ways. We always be able to come back, guys. Some of those places are much better to visit than to live. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll play tomorrow, and we will see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free. We want freedom.